0: With that, I would like to invite Pastor Alex Dyer here to the front. Uh, he comes to us from the Igreja Batista, Jardim, Minnesota in Campinas. So they had the drive here this morning and preached in the first service, also shared in our Sunday school class. Uh, I understand your training is as an engineer, and also you did your study in as an MDIV at the South Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Lived for a time there in Louisville, in Kentucky. I lived over in Ohio for a period of time, so I kind of know the, the area. And uh, we're glad that you can be here with us today. Alex is also a prof at the Faculdade Teologica Batista de Campinas. And Sarah and David, his two children are with us, and his wife Patricia also. So, thank you for being here with us. I told them this morning, I said, thank you for coming. I know you've got to go through two church services. They said, no, it's great. We're doing okay. So, thank you for being with us. Pastor Alex, I'll turn it over to you, okay? Good
1: morning. Good morning. It is really a privilege to open God's word with you one more time. I'm eager to to meditate on God's word with you. Thank you again for having me. It is a joy to be with you all. I would like to invite you to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1 if- We, we will look at verses 1 to 4. Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. We will we'll meditate together on the incomparable Christ. I read the text and we will we'll pray one more time. Hebrews 1, beginning verse 1. <clears throat> After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's pray. Lord, we are before your holy word. We pray that the Holy Spirit would give us eyes of faith so that we can behold the glory of your son and worship him and become more like him lord we pray that you would bring salvation and sanctification only you can do that lord so we pray please exalt the name of our lord jesus christ it is for him and through him that we pray Amen. This passage paints a glorious picture of Christ. It shows us why there is no one like him. Why nothing and no one can compare to Jesus. And why, therefore, he's worthy of all blessing and honor and might and glory and power and majesty. Why he's matchless supreme, incomparable. This passage is utterly important for us for at least two reasons. First, your answer to the question, who is Jesus, defines your eternal destiny. According to the Bible, every one of us will exist forever. In only of two places, one of two places. Heaven, a place of eternal joy. Or hell, a place of eternal suffering. What your mind thinks and what your heart feels about Jesus defines the next billion years of your life. Who is Jesus is the most important question before us. And Hebrews 1 answers it. Second, the second reason why these verses verses are extremely important is because the foundation of a true change of heart is Christ himself. Let me read for you 2 Corinthians 3.18. The Apostle Paul says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. So, according to 2 Corinthians 3, how do you change? How am I transformed? The text says, By beholding the glory of the Lord. As you see Christ in all His glory. As you see Christ in the glory of His wisdom. And the glory of His power. And the glory of His grace. And the glory of His humility. And the glory of His greatness. As you see Christ in all His glory. You change. You are transformed into His image. You become what you behold. You become what you behold. This is what the Scottish minister Thomas Chalmers called the expulsive power of a new affection. So the more affections you have for Christ, the less affections you have for sin. So you change from one degree of glory to another. That's the way we change. We behold Christ. And we become like Him. This is the key biblical strategy for growth in holiness and happiness. Behold the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we need this book so much. And that's why we need the church so much. That's why we need each other so much. That's why we need to pray so much. We need all the help we can to behold His glory. And then we can really change. We can become more like Him. Holy and happy. So... What I would like to do with you in the next minutes that we have together is to look at six aspects of the glory of God's Son in these four verses in Hebrews 1. Six reasons why there is no one like Christ. Why He is incomparable. Reason number one. Reason number one. Jesus is God's final revelation jesus is god's final revelation verse 1 look at how the book of hebrews begins with a remarkable statement long ago and many times and in many ways god spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son so first notice one thing our god is a speaking god he communicates with people. He speaks words that you can understand. God reveals himself through words. The very fact that God speaks, it's what sets him apart from all false gods. I was watching a movie about India some, some, some time ago. And, you know, Hinduism darkens most of the people in India. They have 330 million gods. Pretty much anything in creation can be a god. Animals, birds, reptiles, men, women, anything can be a god. My question is, How many words have these 330 million gods spoken so far? How many? Psalm 115, their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak, but God speaks. God is not silent. He's a speaking God and that's good news. The one true and living God speaks words that sinners can't understand. Amen. Revealing himself. He has no obligation whatsoever to speak. But there is this impulse in God. This divine impulse and he wants to reveal himself. And he does it through words. How our gracious speaking God reveals himself to us by the prophets and by his son. But there is a contrast between the prophets and the son. Look at verse 1. Long ago and many times in many ways God spoke to your fathers by the prophets. Long ago, many times, many ways. Verse 2. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. So the contrast between the prophets and God's son is the contrast between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament long ago, New Testament, these last days. The prophets announced God's promises. The son fulfills God's promises. So yes, the Old Testament is God's word to us. And it's precious. But the Old Testament points us to Christ. He's God's final revelation. That's why he's greater than the prophets. Because he's both the messenger and the message of the Bible. So you can imagine the prophets being sent by God as messengers. Telling people, hear, hear you all. God has promised he will send a deliverer, a king, a savior. You wait on him, he will come. Wait, trust, and they keep doing that. Calling people to repent and believe year after year. And then for 400 years, nothing, silence. No prophet, no new word from God. And then comes this man, Jesus of Nazareth. When he's about 30, he goes to the synagogue. He gets the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He stands up. Everyone is looking at him and he reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he gives the scroll back to the attendant in the synagogue. And he sits down. And again, everyone is looking at him. And then he says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. What? What kind of man can speak like that? I fulfill scripture. Who else? can talk like that. No one. He's incomparable. He's matchless. He's God's son. If Jesus is just a mere man, as many say, then, then Jesus should be stoned. He should have been killed. But, If he's God's son, he must be worshipped. Every knee must bow and confess that Jesus is Lord and he is, he is, who he says he is, he is the king. We're not waiting, people of God, we're not waiting for more revelation, we're not. Jesus is God's final word. What we have to do now is to look at his word and see the glory of his son. Relationship with God is now defined by our answer to the question, Who is this man? Who is Jesus? I tell you that Oprah Winfrey is wrong. There are not many ways to God. Oh, no. There is only one way to God. One way. And He is the way. Christ. There is salvation in no other name. God has spoken. And He has spoken by His Son. Any message different from Christ and Him crucified. It's just an idea from a man. Reason Reason number one. Why Jesus is incomparable? Because he is God's final revelation. Reason number two, reason number two, why Jesus is unique. Why there is no one like him. Jesus is God's ruler of every nation. Look at verse two. Whom, talking about the son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. The heir of all things. What does it mean that the son was appointed Heir of all things. The language of heir or inheritance in the Bible usually it refers to the land that God promised to Israel. Usually that's the context. But when the king, when the king of Israel comes, what happens is the, the Lord expands that promise to the whole world. Let me read to you again Psalm 2:8. This is what God says: Ask of me so he's talking to the messiah to the future messiah to the future messiah psalm 2 ask of me and i will make the nations your heritage in the ends of the earth your possession so when hebrews 1 2 says that jesus is the heir of all things it means that jesus as god's promised king from the line of david This Jesus, he inherits the whole world, not just a piece of land. Everything is his possession, as Psalm 2 says. So, what's the implication for all of us in this room this morning? At least two implications. One, it means that Jesus is the king with a capital K. And he must be worshipped by every single nation. He deserves it. He's worthy. U.S., Brazil, Ukraine, Russia, China. He deserves it. But it's not happening. Right now, you're here. You're worshipping the Lord. That's not happening all over the world. It's a problem. Because he must be worshipped for who He is. So I want to encourage you, Calvary International Church, to continue to pray for the nations and for missionaries and for the unreached. We're called to make disciples of all nations and God hears prayers. He hears your prayer. And then he sends labors to the harvest. Pray and keep praying and proclaiming Christ. The second implication of this truth that God, that Christ is the ruler of, of everything, every nation, is that he owns the world. Everything you have, actually, you don't. You don't have. It's his. You borrow, you use, you care, but it's not yours. It's his, everything, everything is his. I was walking some time ago with my, my son at that time. He was just two little guy, holy tube, big balls. He can barely walk. He's there, I see, he needs help. I come to him Hey, buddy. Can I have one of your balls? He looks at me. Mine. Mine. They are not his. They are not. Jesus says mine. He can't. But we grow up with this idea that we own things we don't. Everything that is yours not yours. It's his. It's for you to use for his glory. Your time. We don't have the right to decide what to do with our time. We use it for his glory. Your gifts, your talents, your money, everything. It's not yours. You use for him and for his glory. The food you are about to eat, remember that. You're borrowing. He's giving to you. It's His. He cares for you. Oh, may the Lord help us to recognize this every single moment. Now imagine what will happen to, the, to your level of thankfulness if you bring that truth all the time to your mind, your family, this church leaders, brothers and sisters, everything the Lord is given to me." But there is more. There is more. He's not only the ruler of all, he's also the creator of all. Reason number three, why there is no one like Jesus. Jesus is God's agent of creation. Verse two, last sentence, through whom also he created. The world. So God the Father created the world through God the Son. So the New Testament is expanding Genesis 1.1. The author is getting Genesis 1.1. And see, he's helping us see what's inside. When God created the world, He did that through Christ. Through His Son. There was a time when, uh, when only God existed. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, perfect harmony, perfect love. Then, out of the overflow of his glory, and because of his good pleasure, he decides to create a world. It was not because he was alone. He was not alone, he was not feeling alone. He wants to show his glory. So he creates through his son. Let there be light. Light. Let there be land. Words, words. Let there be land. Land. Who else can do that? Christ and Christ alone. But there is more. There is more. Reason number four: why there is no one like Jesus? Because he's God's perfect manifestation. Is God perfect? Manifestation, verse three verse three he' the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature he's the radiance of the glory of God what's radiance? So radiance is the brightness that comes from a source that's radiance as The sunlight is the radiance that that comes from the sun. So just as we receive light, the light of the sun through its rays, we receive God's glorious presence through Christ, through His Son. So every time we see Jesus, we're seeing God. We're seeing God Himself. It's the exact imprint, the exact representation of God's being. Do you want to know who God is? You look to Jesus, equal with the Father in power and glory and honor. Philip, remember, Philip came to Jesus and said, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And then Jesus answers. I think with a tone of love and calling Philip to, to wake up. Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Who can talk like that? <laughs> Only him. Only Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. The invisible God who dwells in unapproachable light makes himself manifested through Christ perfectly. In the person of christ this is the mystery of the incarnation we get so used to this idea that god dwelt among us it's 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 not it's not normal (laughs) infinite god in finite flesh to save us to bring glory to god the baby in the manger Is the same one who created everything and everyone. And because of that, he deserves to be worshipped. God-man, coming from heaven, living a perfect life, and dying as a sacrifice for sinners. Do you trust him? Is he your only hope? he is our only hope he is so far four reasons why jesus is incomparable jesus is god's final revelation god's ruler of every nation god's agent of creation he's god's perfect manifestation but there is more there's more reason number five jesus is the one who sustains the universe Verse 3, second part of verse 3, And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. The Son of God sustains what He creates. He gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. The reason we woke up this morning was because during the night, while you were sleeping, the Lord Jesus was sustaining you, your body. That's why we're living now. From his throne, he's commanding to our lungs, breathe, breathe, breathe. And the lungs obey. They obey him because he's Lord. Because he rules over everything and he created everything. And he sustains everything. He's completely involved in everything corner of the universe in every corner of your life and the things that no one knows but you that you have not shared with anyone not even the closest person Jesus is there with you involved, acting guiding, comforting teaching sustaining he sustains everything if you hear that, that, your, that your kid or someone in school was just learning about gravity and oh, the apple fell from the tree, it was the force of gravity, yeah. kind of, kind of, the force of gravity is secondary, Christ is primary, he dropped the apple on the floor, he sustains everything. Everything, all the time, there is no such thing as Mother Nature. It it doesn't exist, Mother Nature. Christ, the ruler, He governs everything in your life, and in this world, and in Ukraine, and in Russia. Even when we are confused, He is still King. He is King when we understand, and He is King when we don't understand. He's always king. And we worship him when it's clear why he's doing that. And we worship him when we are confused because he's king. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, if this is true, I submit to you that you have very good reason not to be anxious. You have very good reason. Christ sustains you Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet the Lord feeds them. Or consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of them. Oh, how much more precious and important God's people is for Him. You are for Him. Then birds and plants, they show God's glory, but not like you. So why are we so anxious? Why? That's our fight. And we fight looking to Christ, who He is. That's reason number five. Now, there's more. There's still more. One more reason sixth and last reason why there's no one like jesus reason six jesus alone saves sinners verse three last statement of verse three after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high we have so many needs so many needs More than we know. But our greatest need is purification for sin. Do you believe that? Purification for sin. That's our greatest problem. Our greatest need. And that's why Jesus came. We need to be cleansed, washed, purified to be in God's holy presence. Because sin makes us dirty. Before a God who is holy. Usually, most of the time, I don't feel that dirty. I don't feel that spiritually dirty. Sometimes I even think I'm a nice person. Maybe you think that way too, because we don't say bad words, we come to church, we pay our taxes. We're nice people. We're nice people. Everything is fine. It's not fine. It's not fine for a God who is holy. For a God who is so pure that his eyes cannot contemplate evil. So it's not fine. Because he sees the heart, selfishness, pride, anger, envy, grumbling, lust, unbelief. Doing the right thing with the wrong motive. God sees it all. It's not enough. That way works. It doesn't work with a holy God. You need a holy savior. To be his presence. The sins of our heart. Are huge. Offense. To what God. That is holy. Jesus said, and he was preaching the Sermon on, on the mountain, the, the Sermon on the Mount, a great sermon. He said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Just, just anger. Whoever insults his brother Will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. That's serious for a holy God. Have you ever been angry with someone? Have you? Have you ever been angry with your kids or with your spouse or with a, a brother? sister have ever been angry with someone at work this is how holy God is one one small anger in your heart is enough to send all of us to what Jesus calls a hell of fire that's how holy God is, and that's how holy Christ is, because He never sinned, and He came for sinners to fulfill what we can't. He was never sinfully angry. This is good news. Look at verse three: "Christ made made purification for sins. and what was necessary? God the Father crushing God the Son on that awful cross. The ruler, creator, sustainer, and savior, Jesus Christ, bearing the punishment that we deserve for our uncleanness. Christ's perfect life and his death is enough. It is enough for our countless sins against God. So when you trust Him, you become, you need, you need to believe that. When you trust Christ, you become as pure as Christ in God's eyes, in His judgment. I remember their sins no more. That was His promise in the new covenant. But look at verse 3. That's why Christ sat down. That's why Christ sat down. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Why did He sit down? Why? Because it is done. It is finished. So He sits down. There is nothing else He needs to do. To pay for our sins. To purify us with our dirty hearts. Nothing else. It's finished. God accepted his sacrifice. Exalted him to the highest position in the universe. At the right hand of the majesty on high. Because of his life. And death. And resurrection. Jesus received the name that is above all names. Over uh, the... Look at verse 4. Um, look at verse 4. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So you become what you behold. You become what you behold. And in this book, there are callous Glories of Christ for you to behold and be changed and be transformed. More holiness, more happiness, more piety, more love, more joy, more peace, more goodness, more self-control. As you behold Christ in all His glory, you become more like Him. Beholding Him in all His majesty and greatness and beauty is what sustains you in this difficult and fleeting life. So look to Christ. Behold Him. I close commanding Jesus Christ to you. There's no one like him. Really. He's God's final revelation. He's God's ruler of every nation. He's God's agent of creation. He's God's perfect manifestation. He's God's appointed sustainer and savior. He's incomparable. There's no one like him. So trust him. And love him. And worship Him. He's worthy. Let's pray. Lord, we come before You. And we recognize that because of our sinfulness. We can see so little of Your Son's glory. So little. Help us, Lord. To behold Christ. Expand our vision of who he is. And I pray that you change us in one degree of glory to another. So that we can bring glory to your name. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.